I'm going to invite you to take a seat and uh, take your Bible or a Bible app and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2 is our text. Of course, if you don't have a Bible with you, that's not a problem. Uh, grab one of the Bibles in the seats around you. Turn to page 1,165 and you'll be able to follow along with us. And as always, if you're here and you don't have a Bible then, uh, and you want one, take one of those with you. Uh, and if you're joining us online, we're glad that you've uh, uh, tuned in tonight. Uh, and uh, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, let us know. We'll get you one. We'll send you one, mail you one, hand deliver one if you're close by. Uh, and uh, that's our commitment to you because we want everyone to have the Word of God and read the Word of God because if you do that, we know that God will change your life. Hey, uh, before I dive in, can I just say that it was amazing. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but uh, our worship team was led by our worship interns, uh, Meredith and Dylan. And uh, yeah, and, and here's the thing, uh, Meredith just graduated high school, Dylan has one more year, Meredith is getting ready to go off to Grand Canyon and study uh, being a worship leader, and, and so uh, the, these are 18 and 17 year old uh, young adults leading us in worship. And I, I just rejoice in the fact that, that they're able to do that with excellence and with power, and I'm excited for their future. Uh, and for what they bring to our team right now and what God has for them going ahead. Hey, uh, in just a moment, I want to show you a short clip of, from one of my favorite movies. And, uh, and some of you are going to go, what does this have to do with the message? And I'll explain it after the clip. But, uh, but how many of you have ever seen The Princess Bride? Okay, uh, a lot of you raise your hand. The rest of you, you have homework. Uh, you should... <laughs> should go home and watch it. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, I think it should be one of yours, but that's just because I'm pushy. But, uh, but there's uh, some scenes that uh, if you've seen it, you're going to know it right away, and the rest of you are going to scratch your heads. But follow along with me and enjoy this clip from The Princess Bride. Why are you doing that? Are you sure nobody's follow us? That would be inconceivable. Despite what you think, you will be caught. And when you are, the prince will see you all hanged. Of all the necks on this boat, Highness, the one you should be worrying about is your own. Stop doing that. We can all relax. It's almost over. You're sure nobody's follow us? As I told you, it would be absolutely, totally, and in all other ways, inconceivable. No one in Gilder knows what we've done. And no one in Florin could have gotten here so fast. He's climbing the rope. And he's getting on us. Inconceivable. Faster! I thought I was going faster. You got very good arms. He didn't fall? Inconceivable. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. And of course, in the movie, the word is inconceivable. And, and so, uh, and I'm, I'm really disappointed you guys didn't say it with an accent. But uh, <laughs> I don't have anybody who's channeling him. Uh, I don't think that it means what you think it means. Uh, now, I, I love that scene because it captures the fact that a lot of times we use words uh, that, that really don't have the meaning that we ascribe to those words. 
And, and we use words all the time, and, and as friends of mine have said, words create worlds. And, and so the words that we use and how we understand them are really significant to us, and I don't want us using words to describe our faith that don't mean what we think they mean. Uh, in the churches, at least the ones that I grew up in, there was a word that was overused, and it was used in ways that uh, I don't really think it captured the meaning biblically. And, and the word that was used so often, incorrectly, I believe, was the word faithful. Faithful. A lot of times it was used to justify the failure to accomplish the mission of Jesus. Well, there's not a lot of us here, but we're just faithful. We're just faithful. Uh, and, and it was used to describe people in the church they showed up every time for the services. They were called faithful. They're just so faithful. Why? Because they're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night for Bible study, Monday night for visitation. If we have special meetings like revivals, they're here every night of that. They're just so faithful. Maybe they don't have a social life. They got nothing better to do. You know? Uh, but they were called faithful. Uh, People were called faithful who uh, weren't caught in public sins, at least not the ones that the church agreed to condemn together, right? Because there was plenty of, you know, practiced gossip and greed and anger and pride with the best of them. But those weren't publicly condemned. There were a lot of people who looked like good Christians but didn't do anything to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus, and yet they were called faithful. Now, those are a lot of the churches I grew up in, uh, but they made a, a really good mistake. They encouraged me to read the Bible. And by the way, we encourage you to read the Bible because if you read and apply the Bible, God will change your life. Okay, but you got to read it and you got to apply it. And I started reading the Bible, and after, after reading the Bible, when it came to the word faithful, I decided that uh, I do not think that word means what they think it does. I don't think it means what they think it means. And so today I want us to talk about faithful servants. Because Paul, in the passage we're looking at, talked about two faithful servants of Christ, Timothy and Epaphroditus. It's so much easier to say Timothy than Epaphroditus. Uh, it's because people name their kids Timothy, but I don't know a lot of Epaphroditus running around. But here's what I want. I want us to hear the Apostle, the Apostle Paul describe what faithful servants actually look like so that we can evaluate our own lives and figure out whether or not we qualify as faithful servants rather than just use the word in a way that doesn't make any sense biblically. So first of all, I want you to hear what the Apostle says about Timothy. We're picking up Ephesians, or Ephesians Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 19 and the apostle says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you, you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. 
Now, in case you haven't been with us, Paul's writing from prison, uh, and Timothy has, has come, and he's been helping Paul navigate life, whether that's shopping for him, doing correspondence for him, helping him out with the day-to-day things uh, as he's able to. And he wants to send Timothy to them, but he's talking about Timothy and describes him as a faithful servant. And the first thing that he says is, faithful servants care for people. Okay, faithful servants care for people. You see that in verse 20 where Paul says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He applauds Timothy for being concerned for the welfare of people. So if you're going to be a faithful servant of Jesus Christ, you have to care for people. So if you define yourself as a follower of Jesus, okay, you believe that Jesus is actually the one and only Son of God and Savior of the world. You believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sins personally, that he was raised from the dead, and, and you have made a commitment to follow Jesus with your life, which you know, we just sang about then you should care how Paul describes faithful servants because God expects you to be caring for people. In fact, if you're following Jesus, it's not about you. It's not about you. All right, we don't really like to hear that, do we? That kind of confronts us because we're, you know, most of our lives are about us. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person next to you and I just want you to smile at them and say, it is not about you. Okay? And, and then you guys get to say it back to them, okay? It goes both ways. It goes both ways. Now, some of you enjoyed saying that way too much. And it's not about you. It's about how we can serve other people. It's about how we can care for others, help others, bless others. That's why the same apostle in Philippians 2, earlier in this passage, verses 3 and 4, wrote these amazing words. He said, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So how many things are we supposed to do out of you know, our, our conceit and ambition? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, you know what? Can we just go ahead and have a group confession right now that we fail at this? We fail at this. And, and we need to acknowledge that. We need to go, okay, God, I need to repent of, of what I'm doing because I'm, I'm putting my interests ahead of others, even though a servant doesn't do that. That's why Jesus said the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself to care for other people as you care for yourself, which means that you need to take care of yourself. You need to have, you know, boundaries. You need to be healthy. You need to rejoice and serve others. Care for others. By the way, it's really easy to do if you take the focus off yourself. If you take your eyes off the mirror looking at you, thinking about you, focusing on you, all your problems, all your concerns, all the things that you need to do, all the things that that you hope and dream for, all the stuff that's about you, the more that you worry about you, think about you, focus on you, the smaller your world gets. You get consumed with yourself and you'll find yourself alone and empty. It's tragic. 
And, and so many people do it, but it's easy to focus on others if you take the focus off yourself, but taking the focus off ourselves is difficult. It's difficult. It's a choice we have to make, and, and it's something we have to practice. That's why Jesus said, if any of you are going to come after me, you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and come follow me. Look, denying yourself is never enjoyable. Can, can we just agree that denying yourself is not fun? I don't wake up in the morning going, gee, how can I deny myself right now? How can I deny myself today? I, you know, no, I wake up in the morning thinking, when can I eat ice cream? You know, wake up going, hey, what, what do I get to do for me today? You know, we're, we're just naturally wired to be selfish. That's our sin nature at its very root is self-consumed. And yet, if we're going to be those faithful servants, we have to really try to deny ourselves and take up our cross. And, and this is a constant reality that we face. Every moment of every day, we are either being selfish or we're serving. I know that sounds rather dramatic, black and white. There's scales, but which way are you leaning in your life? Is your life leaning towards selfishness or is it leaning towards serving people? Because the way you're leaning is the way you're going to end up going. I mean, your life is either focused on yourself or it's focused on others. So here's the question. Right now, whose wants and needs are your priority? Is it you or is it others? Because life and joy are found in serving others. I love how Paul says that. I don't know anyone else other than Timothy who is as concerned for you as I am who just has this heart of concern, genuine concern for you. Not fake concern, just it's genuine. I just want you to know faithful servants care for people. Faithful servants care for people. We're talking about all people. Not just some people, not just your friends and your family, but faithful servants care for people. You've got to wrestle with your care quotient. And faithful servants serve with purpose. They serve with purpose. Look at verse 22. Paul says, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. So Paul equates Timothy's service with his own. He says, Timothy's like my own son, and he's doing the same things I'm doing, which, you think about that, that's pretty high praise, isn't it? Because the Apostle Paul had a purpose, and if you read his letters, and if you follow his life, you know clearly what the Apostle Paul's purpose was. It was to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. He wanted to proclaim the good news of Jesus to everyone, everywhere, and he lived his life trying to accomplish that. And he was so committed to it that he even said crazy things like this. Philippians chapter 1, if you want to look at it, look over. Take your eyes and move them to the left, and you'll see it on the page. Verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. The stuff that's happened to me. You go, okay, that's great. What's happened to Paul? Well, right now, he's writing this letter from prison. 
He was falsely accused. There was a plot to murder him. He's been unjustly beaten multiple times uh, by local authorities and by mobs. They left him for dead several times. He's been shipwrecked, spent a day and the night in the ocean, all because he was trying to accomplish the purpose of Jesus. And he's not whining or complaining about it. What's he doing? He says, hey, you know, I want you to know, it was all for the good of the gospel. It was all good. It's for Jesus. And then in verse 21, he takes it another notch up, and he says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To die is gain. He's like, yeah, I can do this. In Romans chapter 1, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. He's like, I've got this purpose, and this purpose is this. I want you every single one of you, to know the reality of Jesus, to know that your sins are forgiven, to know that Jesus is your Lord so that he can change your life, so that you know that heaven is your destiny, and I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. And Paul says, this is what I do, and this is what Timothy does. Faithful servants serve with a purpose. Timothy served with that same purpose, and Paul commended him for it. Because Timothy focused his life and his mission on the mission of Jesus. So, here's another unfair question. What's your purpose? What's your purpose? Now, I know you're, you're sitting in church or you're watching the sermon you know, on TV or your phone or your tablet, whatever, and, and so you know the right answer to write down to that question. What's your purpose? Oh, I don't know the answer. Purpose is Jesus and his mission. Yes, check mark. I pass. See, you want to check my answers? No, I don't want to check your answers. I want you to check your heart. Because we can all lie together that our purpose is Jesus, but that may or may not be true. In some moments, it's really true. In some moments, eh, not so much. So what are you spending your life on? How are you investing your time, your energy, your creativity? I mean, Really? Because the world is, is promoting all different kinds of ideas for purpose. The world says, hey, why don't you work hard and invest well or get a lot of followers on TikTok. Then you'll get money and you can spoil yourself. Right? Get more followers on Instagram. The world says, hey, why don't you pursue every pleasure, every experience, see the world, travel, enjoy yourself. It's going to be great. Just have a good time. And you can post them all on Instagram, right? The world says, have a great family. Provide amazing experiences for your children. Help them to succeed in sports and hobbies and school and career. And then you'll be fulfilled. Can I just tell you that in all of those promises and all of those sales pitches, the world lies? It's lying to us. Now, it's lying to everybody, not just us. Don't take it personal. Okay, they're lying to us. And, and if success, wealth, pleasure, or family is your purpose, it will never satisfy your heart. It'll never satisfy your soul. In fact, Jesus put it that way. In Luke chapter 9, he said, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? 
loses himself. See, this is a purpose conversation. This is a purpose kind of focus in our lives. What are we pouring our lives into? Because the more we align our lives with the purpose of Jesus, the more peace you're going to have, the more joy you're going to experience, the more satisfaction you're going to find. So what are you investing your life in? How are you spending your time, your energy, your creativity? Uh, and again, I know you know the right answer. You know you, you can give it to me. I, the thing is, you don't answer to me. Nobody in this room answers to me. All of us are going to answer to God. Faithful servants serve with the purpose of the kingdom of God. And then faithful servants are fully committed to Jesus. Um, let's pick up Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. Now we're talking about Epaphroditus. Paul switches gears, and, and he starts talking about... Now, Epaphroditus was from Philippi. So the people knew Epaphroditus, and they had sent Epaphroditus to, to take a gift to Paul and to help Paul out any way that he needed. And so he's given him a report. He says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Uh, faithful servants are fully committed to Jesus. Epaphroditus risked his life for the work of Christ. Now, it wasn't because the mobs were coming after him. It was because he was serving God. He got sick. He almost died. He got better. People in Philippi heard about it. They were, you know, praying for him. They were concerned about him. They knew him. He grew up in their midst. Uh, you know, it's kind of like our, our worship interns. You know, they're going to be going off, and we would care about him. We hear about stuff. We'll go, hey, we want to see how you're doing. We want to see you do well. And, and so faithful servants are fully committed to Jesus, which leads us to the question... Does Jesus want us to risk our personal safety to serve him? Would Jesus ask us to put ourselves or our children in danger for his kingdom? I see, no one's blurting out answers because you're like, I don't want to get this one wrong publicly. The answer is an emphatic yes. Yes, Jesus would ask you to risk your personal safety for him. Yes, Jesus would ask you and your children to be in danger for his kingdom. You go, really? That doesn't sound right because isn't safety our number one goal? No, the kingdom of God is our number one goal. Serving Jesus is our number one goal. And there are men and women all over this world who, who profess the name of Jesus that put their lives on the line. There are men and women who die serving Jesus every single day. Some are martyred and some get sick and die and some have accidents and die. And, and, but but the thing is they're serving Jesus fully committed to him. Jesus said, we're to deny ourselves and take up our cross. 
Jesus said we are blessed when we're persecuted. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, it's a privilege to suffer for Jesus. And by the way, Jesus set the example himself. Again, Philippians chapter 2. You get, you, I hope you guys are reading this book because it's really good. There's a lot of good stuff in here, just every few verses. So Philippians chapter 2, Jesus set the example because it says he left heaven and he took on the form of a, of a man and he humbled himself and became obedient as a servant to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now think about that for a minute. Son of God, Savior of the world, King of kings, Lord of lords, humbled himself, taking the form of a servant, and became obedient to the Father to the point of death. To the point of death. A terrible, humiliating death of crucifixion. In other words, Jesus practiced absolute surrender and absolute obedience to the will of the Father. And we call ourselves followers of Jesus. And he's leading us to be fully committed to him. And Paul challenges us to have the same mind and the same attitude that Jesus had. So I got to ask another tough question. What is your point of obedience? What is your point of obedience? I mean, Paul said Jesus was obedient to the point of death, even a horrible death. What's your point? What will you not do for Jesus? Or will you be obedient to the point of death? Will you be obedient to the point of discomfort? Will you be obedient to the point of inconvenience? Where's your point? I mean, Honestly, will you, will you repent of your prevailing sin? You know, that, that habit you have, that addiction you have, that self-destructive thing that's in your life that you know you should repent of, that you know you should get rid of, you've been promising yourself for, uh, you know, weeks, months, years, decades that you're gonna deal with and you still haven't dealt with it? And it's stealing the, the, the life from you. It's killing your family. It's, it's harming the people around you. And you have no joy because you know it's wrong. Will you be obedient to the point of repentance? You know what repentance looks like? Besides saying, I'm sorry, I don't want to do that again. It means showing up for Celebrate Recovery, 6.30, Monday night right here. See, that's what... That's what obedience looks like because you go, okay, I'm going to deal with this. You go, well, yeah, but I, I, I'm a mess. You know what? They are not afraid of your mess on Monday nights, okay? They've all been messier than you anyway, so just, just go ahead and accept that. So will you repent of your prevailing sin? Or are you going to be obedient to that point? Will you be obedient to the point of baptism? You know, I mean, there's some of you that are followers of Jesus, you've never been baptized, and you have all kinds of irrational reasons why you don't want to be baptized. Well, I don't want to, I don't like crowds. I don't want to do it in front of a lot of people. I don't want to get my hair wet because I have to do my hair. <laughs> Look, I don't, some of you are like, well, I mean, you know, my parents baptized me as a baby, and I don't want to do it. You know, no, look, here's the thing. Baptism is your declaration of faith 
It's your testimony to the world that Jesus has changed your life and you are an unashamed follower of Christ, okay? It's your decision. It's your thing to do. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptized, guess what your next point of obedience is? And if you're wondering why you're not growing in your faith, it's because you need to take that step of obedience. Or, or, or is your point of obedience to read the Bible? I mean, we try to eliminate all excuses. If you don't have one, take one. Okay? We'll call your bluff. I just don't have a Bible. Here. If you have a phone, I can give you a Bible too that way. You know, it's in the bulletin how you can download the, the you know, version app and you've got like 50 different translations you can read out of. They give you Bible reading plans and you can do it. You go, yeah, I mean to read the Bible. Stop intending to read the Bible and start doing it. Okay, that's a point of obedience. Are you... Are you because you're not going to learn God's will until you read God's word. Or what about serving? You know, is that your point of obedience? We've got so many ways that you can serve Christ here at Calvary. Uh, and, and all you got to do is say, hey, I want to volunteer. I want to care for others. You know, we, we've got needs in our, in our children's ministry on the weekends, in our student ministry during the week. We could always use greeters if you're friendly. Uh, we could always... <laughs> We can always use tech help if you're not friendly. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. They're great people. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's always ways to serve. If, but a lot of people are like, I'm just too busy. Really, point of obedience. What's God calling you to do? Or how about this one? Will you obey, obey God enough to tithe? Ah, oh, now I'm hitting below the belt, right? <laughs> That's where the guys keep their wallet, below the belt. Hitting below, you know, and, and some of you are like, well, you, had, you were preaching a good sermon until you brought up money. <laughs> Look, the Bible's really clear. Give to God what's his. Well, he owns everything. Everything you have is from him. What's your holdup? Well, I, I can't survive on that, really. It's a point of obedience. And it's a whole lot easier than dying. Right? I mean, this is a point of obedience many people refuse to get to. But... But if you want God to really change your life, if you want to experience the power, you want to experience the victory, you want to experience his presence in your life, guess what? Give Jesus your whole self, which includes your money. In fact, if you haven't given God your money, he doesn't have your whole self. He really doesn't. So we all have a point of obedience. I want to challenge you to have a conversation with God. This, that means that's prayer for those of you who don't understand that. And you get honest with God about what your point of obedience is and listen to him because here's the thing. God is going to ask you to expand that point of obedience. He's going to ask you to go farther than you've gone because he's calling you to follow him and that means taking the next step of obedience which means expanding that point. And if you do that, it'll change your life. And you'll qualify as a faithful servant because faithful servants are fully committed to Jesus. And finally, Paul tells us that we should celebrate and honor faithful servants. Did you catch that in verse 29? Receive him, Epaphroditus, in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Honor them. And I want us to do exactly that. So here's the challenge. You have cards in the bulletin. Okay, it's passed out to you. There are cards. I was supposed to grab one. And, and they're just thank you cards. 
They're just a way for you to say thank you to people that you've seen that are faithful servants. By the way, we have more cards at the Connection Centers. You can pick them up if uh, you need more cards or you didn't get one. Uh, we just want you to express gratitude for the faithful servants that you know and that you see. People that, that care for others and are fully committed and, uh, you know, are all in for Jesus. They're willing to risk it all. And, and, and you can do this all kinds of ways. You can write them a note. You can call them on the phone. You can sit down face-to-face -face and, and tell them thank you. But somehow celebrate their contribution and encourage them for being a faithful servant of Jesus. So the Apostle Paul identified several faithful servants, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And I challenge you to identify and encourage the faithful servants in your life. Now, I'm going to break some rules of things I was taught. Because in preacher school, they tell you to never publicly thank people from the pulpit. Because you'll offend all the people you don't mention. So don't do it. Play it safe. Uh, but I'm going to follow the Apostle Paul's example. Because in a letter that we're still reading 2,000 years later, he called out Timothy and Epaphroditus. And he commended them for being faithful servants. So I want to do that, uh, at least uh, a little bit tonight. Uh, and so I apologize in advance if your name's not on the list, uh, but I do have time constraints, and I don't see everything. So I just thank God for the faithful servant that is Chet Anderson. Uh, he, uh, you know, I've, I've known him for over 30 years. We've served together here at Calvary for 17 years, and, uh, you know, he's been a blessing in a ton of ways. He's blessed a lot of you. He's always present at times of need and crisis, and he's great in the community and teaching and all this kind of stuff. But the thing I most appreciate about Chad is he came here, and he has led Calvary to be financially solid. He, along with another great volunteer named Roland, that have just blessed us and led us to be a healthy, strong church that's able to serve God in amazing ways. And, uh, and I look at that and I praise God for him being a faithful servant and Roland being a faithful servant. I praise God for faithful servants uh, like Mike and Ted who, and I'm not gonna tell you who they're like, everybody's last name, so if you don't know them, it's okay. But Mike and Ted, they're just, they're two guys that retired and then uh, were, were, you know, dumb enough to hang around too much, and we enlisted them in serving, and they, they both ended up serving full-time in capacities when they started ministries and led ministries that have blessed thousands of people for over a decade. I praise God for faithful men like that. I praise God for faithful servants like Kathy and Debbie who lead nonprofits in our community that protect abused and vulnerable women and the unborn. I, I thank God for faithful servants uh, that are called uh, Gary's Gorillas. Uh, I call them the chair gang. So you guys don't know this, but on Mondays, actually they'll do it tomorrow uh, uh, afternoon, they come in here and they, they tear down half the chairs in the room and they set up uh, these curtains for Celebrate Recovery and for the student ministry and, and all of that to happen during the week. And then at the end of the week, they reset all those chairs every single week. And tomorrow they're going to do it because we got the kids camp going on. They're going to move all these chairs. And at the end of the week, they're going to set them all back up so that we can do this again next weekend. I just praise God for faithful servants like that. I praise God for faithful servants like Sally and Arlene and Vi who, who show up and fold the bulletins that you guys have and stuff all those annoying things that we put in there. In there. 
And then they show up here and they stuff the, the chairs with all the connect cards and, and Bibles and make sure they're there. And I praise God for these guys, they're old guys named Charlie and Dennis and Howard who just help people. They just fix things, and, you know, especially the widows or some of the single moms. And they just show up at their houses and they, and they repair things and replace things and they do it with a smile and the joy of serving. I thank God for the men and women of the tech team. Uh, I know you guys are back there, you didn't know this, but you guys are, are awesome because we can't do any of this without you. And while I'm thankful for the tremendous talent that's on the stage and in the spotlight, the tech team's never in the spotlight. And, and here's the thing I really appreciate about the tech team the most. They do this and they have to listen to the sermon four times a weekend. <laughs> you talk about sacrificing for Jesus. Uh, that's amazing. I thank God for the, the faithful servant of Kathy who has been my assistant for 18 years. Uh, she helps make Ca uh, Calvary better. Yeah. She helps make Calvary better and she helps me and all the staff look a whole lot better than we actually are. Uh, I thank God for these guys named Def, Dave and Jeff who just show up and pull weeds and, and help out with the landscaping. I thank God for uh, a whole bunch of volunteers with our student and children ministry. Uh, I thank God for Pat and Howard and Shirley and uh, uh, Heather who just serve behind the scenes and taking care of things all the time and I ask them to do stuff and they just do it. I thank God for uh, DC who has a passion for people and missions like nobody I've ever met. I thank God for faithful servants who teach, whether it's life groups or Bible studies or just mentor people one-on-one. -on -one. I thank God for, for those who serve. I, I really thank God for those of you who invite, your family, your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors, because you do it so faithfully. Otherwise, we wouldn't have 61 baptisms last weekend. And I thank God for Merelda, who has been by my side for 37 years just caring for me and supporting me. Because without her, I could not be the man of God that God has allowed me to be. Look, there's a lot of faithful servants around us. And if I didn't call your name and you were hoping I would, I apologize. And if I did call your name and that offends you, I apologize. Because <laughs> none of those people I name do it to be recognized. That's why they're faithful servants. And, uh, and I appreciate them completely. Now here's the thing, I challenge you to be a faithful servant and to encourage the faithful servants around you. Let's pray. God, you are so faithful to us and we want to be faithful for you so meet us in this place, teach us how to be better, teach us how to take our eyes off of ourselves and focus on the people around us, teach us how to go all in for the gospel, and Lord, most of all, uh, we want to be faithful in your sight. And God, let, let us be those who encourage those around us so that we can bless and be a blessing. We can't do any of this without you, so we yield ourselves to you in Jesus' name, amen.